Welcome to the Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporter, the podcast that delves into the minds and lives of broadcast news reporters and anchors, delivering a behind-the-scenes look at their careers, methods, maybe their madness, best practices, and personal stories from the trenches of journalism. Today we have an incredible guest, Matt Grant of Fox 46 down in North Carolina. And Matt, thanks for being on the show. Honored. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on the show. And um, you uh, are an incredible investigative journalist from what I've spied on social media and from, um, I think we only met once in person back in uh, Philadelphia in 2015 at the IRE conference, Investigative Reporters and Editors. Have we met since, have we seen each other since then? I can't recall. If if we have, it's been a while. It's been way too long. So it's nice to catch up with you right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, that's that's half the beauty of the podcast. I'm kind of just using it as an excuse to catch up with friends. So, you know, it's uh, always a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it works out. You know, I, I go to great lengths just to talk to people. Um, no, but... Uh, well, Bo, you're, first, you're, you're too kind. Your introduction was very nice. I would say maybe I lean more towards the madness side of the, of the reporting spectrum, but you're very kind. Thank you. The madness, yes. Um, well, I will say that's the first time I snuck in the word madness on the intro. So maybe, maybe it was some sort of, uh, uh, thing. Yeah. So anyway, we'll jump into it. Um, so we need to explain who you are. Um, so your name is Matt Grant. Do you go by Matt or Matthew? So I'm actually, I I go by Matt, but funny story. I don't know if it's funny, but it's, I mean, different. So I'm actually the third. So my dad is Matthew John Grant, the second, I'm, I'm the third. So you can imagine growing up, you know, back in the day when we didn't have cell phones and someone's calling the house and they're like, is Matt there? It it just drove my parents nuts because I'd pick up the phone and it would be someone asking my dad to come into work, you know what I mean? Or or my dad would answer the phone and it was for me. So it created all sorts of issues. But yeah, so I, I go by Matt, I think because when I was growing up, I always associated Matthew with like being yelled at. You know, like I was in trouble, like Matthew, go to your room. So to this day, I'm like, just call me Matt. All my friends call me Matt. All right, Matthew. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make you feel yeah. like you're in trouble here. You're, this is a safe, spl- uh, safe uh, space, a safe place. So, um, yeah, well, you know, that, I can definitely see how that would be confusing when they call the house and they're telling your parents, you know, we need, we need uh, Matthew to come into work, you know, over time. And these, your dad's like, there's no way he's doing that. He's four years old. He will not do that. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Pretty much so, exactly how it went. Yeah. So, all right. So Matt Grant, um, you're down in Charlotte. Is that right? Fox 46? Yep. The local, uh, Fox owned station here in Charlotte. Yep. So it's a O and O as they call them in the business, which means owned and operated by the network. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Relatively, uh, new, uh, owned Fox station. Um, I've been here for two years, but I think the station's only been, uh, owned by Fox maybe about five or six years. So relatively new in that space. Okay. So being that it's owned by the network, does that mean like, like Rupert Murdoch emails you in the morning and tells you what to cover or how does that work? So, um, and you, you may have experiences from your time in the business too. Like it's probably the number one question that I get like, Oh, so, you know, you're with Fox, you're, you know, tell, um, you know, back in the day, you know, when I worked at uh, Fox in Fort Myers, it was tell 
tell Bill O'Reilly I said hello. Um, so long story short, yet we're owned by Fox, but that's kind of the end of our relationship. We can share content. Um, we share, uh, you know, same benefits. And, you know, there's definitely um, a lot of positives to being uh, owned by a company like this. But in terms of content or story direction or anything like that, we're, we're completely on our own. We make our own decisions locally and, and the network has nothing, um, you know, no say over our content or anything like that. Sure. sure. Okay. Um, is Fox, wait, I just, this idea just came into my head here. This thought is, is Fox 46, the one and you probably get this a lot too, but is that the one where you, you guys have that like anchor who dances to like hip hop music and it goes viral on his Yes. Yes. That's yes. That's us. Nick Kozer, who, um, I mean, he was actually just on, that gets yeah. like millions of views on Instagram. Can you believe it? If only like one of my stories could get millions of views or, or one of my tweets could get the kind of numbers he's getting. It, it's unbelievable. We have um, Share Rocket, which is like uh, an app that measures social media um, exposure throughout the market. And I think Nick was like getting a, a broader reach than, than most of the other stations combined in the whole market. It, it's unbelievable. Um, but he's a super nice guy. Like, just just one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. He's so cool, and I'm just really happy for him that this thing took off. Um, yeah, he was just on a he was on the MTV Video Music Awards. I mean, you're getting these these rappers and these dancers coming down to our station because they want to meet him and they want to dance with him. It's it's unbelievable. That's hilarious. Wait, so I'm yeah. gonna kind of commandeer the podcast away from you for like two minutes and use you as a conduit to just learn the backstory of, of Nick and, and how this came about. I mean, cause I, I honestly have like just five questions about it, which I'll just spit out real quick, which is like, like, when did he start this? Why did he start it? Was it during like a commercial break? Um, is your news director and are your news director and GM cool with this? And how did he, how does he get so good at these dances? Does he practice them like at home for hours? So those are all my questions. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I'll do my best because I don't know the answer to all of them, but uh, the, the, our news director and our assistant news director, we have a, a new general manager, so I, I don't quite know his state, but I'm, I'm sure he, he, he's on board with it. Um, they, they love it. They think it's, they think it's great, um, and it's really good exposure for the station. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they really like it. How he got to be so good at dancing beats the heck out of me. He, he is really good. Um, and you'd look at him and you'd have no idea that he's, he's busting out these great hip hop moves. I, who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe he practices at home. Maybe it's a gift. I, you know, he started doing these things just to try to get a little attention to the station and, and to himself. Um, you know, he started, you know, Cam Newton, um, our, our quarterback for the Panthers has these very elaborate outfits. And so he started kind of as a tribute, like dressing like him. And somehow, I guess, you know, that took off uh, here in Charlotte for a little bit. And then he somehow parlayed that into dancing. I'm trying to remember when the first time he actually started doing this was. And to be honest, I can't remember because he's been doing it now for a while. I, I don't know if it was like a social media thing only, but then he posted it like on Instagram and it blew up. Or if it was something that he did on air. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but... 
Yeah, I mean, the, the station loves it. It's, it's really good exposure. Um, it's brought a lot of eyeballs to the station. People who wouldn't, I mean, people in Charlotte who wouldn't necessarily be watching us are now tuning in. People all over the country are checking us out. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's entertaining. It's fun. And, you know, he's our meteorologist on our morning show, which is kind of a fun show. Good day, Charlotte. And so it's, it's brought a lot of attention to his show, to our brand, to the station. I mean, it's definitely been a good thing for us. But I don't know how we started. I got to ask him that. He's a he, he used to, at his old market, he used, to, he used to rap. He was known as the rapping weatherman. So he's always had some kind of a shtick, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, good for him. I mean, I like it. I mean, I think, I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm surprised that the news director and GM are okay with it. But because, I mean, a lot of them are very, very restrictive on, on what you do. And some of them are so old school in the mentality of like, no, no, we're a TV, we're a news station. You know, you have to have their ethics and, you know, that has nothing to do with news and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised, but I support it. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely worked for stations that would never have allowed this. Um, the station that I work for, it's, it's like, you know, it's a Fox station, which the Fox brand's a little bit more um, edgy. It's a little looser and, and they're not afraid to kind of be entertaining. Um, so they're totally on board with it. They like it. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I mean, definitely look, I mean, you know, honestly, I kind of, for, I never pieced it together that that was the station that you work at and that I, that I know someone who knows the guy. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, interesting and he's definitely like low key famous off of that. So that is cool. Um, and honestly, you know, it gets people to, to know Fox 46. So, that is, you know, good because you, you need to be known uh, if people are going to watch you. So, um, all right. So let's get back to you because you're the star of the show tonight or today, you know, whenever this airs, day, night um, for this podcast. So um, how did you, so first of all, where did you grow up? Where, what state are you from? Where'd you go to high school? So I grew up in uh, Nassau County, Long Island, a uh, town called Syosset. Um, I went to Syosset High School which I guess our, our claim to fame is um, Natalie Portman went to our school. She was like a grade or two above us. She oh, so was filming you dated her Star Wars. School? No, I didn't date her, but I, um, but I, you know, I saw her once in the library for whatever that counts for. Um, but she, she went to my high school. So that's our claim to fame. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I went to a really good, Sasha was a really good high school and it, afforded me a lot of opportunities that um it got me interested in tv from an early age from an early age like when i was in high school we had a radio station we had a tv station so i i did both and our radio station had really good reach i mean it, it was almost a better radio station than my my college um a good a good section of long island had access to what we were doing so it really got me interested in the media aspect i didn't know what i wanted to do exactly but it got me interested in media so by the time i went to college i knew i either wanted to do radio or film or tv but you know i knew i was interested in it that's awesome i mean looking back on it how important do you think it is for high schools to offer things like that i mean uh, you know and the, and the reason i ask to be you know transparent is that um you know i'm, I'm working for a school district now a high school um, and, you know, we're launching a podcast and we're, they're investing in, I mean, really me, you know, to, to by paying me to be there, um, and, you know, buying new equipment and stuff like that. So, 
just curious uh, if you think that type of thing is, is valuable at the high school level. And Bo, they're lucky to have you. You are a really good reporter and these kids are lucky to be learning from you. That said, um, I, it, look, it all comes down ultimately to resources and to priorities. But in my humble opinion, um, I think it's really important to invest um, in these kind of programs, to invest in the arts, to invest in things that can help these kids grow. You know, being interested in 1997, 1998 in, in TV production and radio, I mean, these are kind of niche things back then, especially for high school. So it, it was really huge because now you can go into a club and be with like-minded peers who are all interested in the same things who are doing these i mean back then it was clubs so you're kind of doing it on your own time not necessarily as a class so you're really finding people who are motivated but then you'd have these teachers who would stay and who would mentor you um you know of course it comes down to resources and what school districts can afford but i think if the resources are there even on a small level even just finding mentors or people who share similar interests that a student can go to, I think is huge. I really do. I mean, me having that radio station, I still think back on it fondly all these years later. I mean, doing those radio shows in high school was some of the, the best times that I had. It was, it was almost like an escape back then, um, but it, it gave me something really positive to do and, and a way to focus my energy. And, and it got me interested in something that I, had our school not had a radio station, I don't know that I ever would have been interested in that. It, yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't maybe have occurred to me because I wouldn't have had a platform to experiment and try it and try it out. Right. So I, I think getting these resources at an early age is really important. Even yeah. if it's just directing kids to an internship or not an internship, but like maybe spending a day with like working professionals or something like that. If the school doesn't have those resources, trying to do things to at least expose these kids to as many different um, businesses or platforms as possible. Does your, does, does Fox 46 um, offer internships? We do. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, oh goodness, my dog's going crazy. This is, I need uh, to what kind a, of dog do you have? We get a padded uh, podcasting booth pretty soon here. Um, I have a mutt. Yeah. He's uh, I jokingly call him a, uh, Poochie Pomawawa because he's like a poodle Chihuahua Pomeranian mix um, that I got in oh, the nice. market. Benny, be quiet. Be nice. quiet, buddy. Um, we got a golden retriever who doesn't say a word and doesn't retrieve anything. So. Doesn't retrieve anything. That's good. <laughs> I've not heard that before. That's funny. Um, so, hey, so um, maybe I can edit that part out. So, um, <laughs> man, I had a good question too right before that. Um, yeah, so let's switch. Well, we were just, just talking about like resources. I mean, it, yeah, if, if the school can invest in these kids early, it, it's just going to pay dividends in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, I remember what I was going to say. So my last station, and, and frankly, um, probably the station before that, they, they pretty much put the kibosh on internships, unless it was, you know, I think my last station did uh, one program that was sort of like the Emma something or other it was like a minority internship program which is awesome and we had a great intern um demetrius i think was his name um which i should know that but um but other than that we had no interns and so i had actually interned there in 2007 and we had like 16 there was a class of 16 interns which was probably almost too many 
And then now they have zero or maybe one max per year. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to harp on them. I think that's actually, it seems to be kind of more of an industry trend, but I just, I just found that to be very, very sad because, you know, we need to be developing young journalists and the advice was always, Hey, one of the best ways is to get an internship because you have on the job experience and, you know, you see it up close and personal and it just seems like it's harder and harder to do that. I don't know. Have you experienced that at all or no? Um, every, every place that I've ever worked at, they've been really welcoming to interns and I've worked with interns before and been paired up with interns. Um, actually when I was down at WESH, we had an intern who is now a reporter in the Charlotte market. Uh, so it's, it's really nice, uh, when we bump into each other. Um, so no, I, I guess I've been really fortunate that every place, every place I've ever worked at, even, um, even when I was in small town, Missouri in my first job market, like market 140, we had interns. So I, I just think it's so important. It's not just important for the students who are learning, but for these stations um, to bring in extra eyes and new perspectives and um, having just someone there who's eager to learn. It's just such a positive thing. I really can't, I, I don't see any any negative to it. I, I, I just don't understand why a station would be resistant to it because it's such a such a positive thing all around, you know? So Well, with Fox 61 in Connecticut, there it was something to do with, there was some federal law or something indicating you weren't allowed to like have employees who were unpaid. It was something like that. Oh. So then it became this thing where it was like, you know, they, they couldn't pay them. They didn't have that in the budget. And so then they just wiped it all out altogether. And that, that was kind of the issue. But um, I don't know, you know, oh. it, it seems like there's, there should have been some, creative way to get around that and then the uh station i was at in pittsburgh i am not 100 percent sure um what, what the reason was but um you know it just it, it was just kind of a shame no matter no matter what the reason to me um you know just very unfortunate yeah that is too bad um yeah i didn't even think about you know nowadays like if you're paying versus non-paying i mean you know internships have always traditionally been non-paid in tv news um so I, yeah, I can't speak to that, but that is, that is unfortunate if it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So my, uh, inter my, inter my internship when I was in college, I'll just deviate real quick, um, was, was single-handedly the most Im important thing I've ever done in my life uh, in terms of like, um, in terms of my career and getting started in my career. Had I not have interned when I was in college, for sure I would not be where I am today. Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo that. It's the same thing for me, which is why you know, I'm such a believer in, uh, in internships. But um, in any case, um, so where did you end up going to college if, if you went to college? I did, yeah. So I went to Marist College, which is um, up in Poughkeepsie, about a two-hour Metro North train ride from the city, um, right on the Hudson Valley. So we had really, really cold winters, um, but very, very nice. Uh, summers right on the Hudson Valley, right on the Hudson River. So it was a beautiful campus. Um, so I went there. I was actually waitlisted, and uh, my dad took me up there. I was gonna, I was gonna go to Quinnipiac, and had uh, signed with them. And my dad took me up to Marist. He's like, you know, let me just take you up there to meet them. So we did. So we went up there, and I met with their radio professor. Because remember, I was doing like radio in high school, and I was like pretty interested in that. And so I met with their radio professor and man, I don't know like how it happened, 
But like the next day, I'm off the wait list and I got a scholarship. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I was that good, but whatever happened, I was in. And the scholarship like was really important, you know, to our family. It helped a lot and it was a really good school. And I'm really glad I went there because uh, one, I, I went there because I knew they had really good internship connections with WNBC in New York and they had the Marist poll and I was interested in doing that. So it had right off the bat, like a couple of things that I was really interested in. And so I took a chance there and I was really glad I did. Oh, and, cool. uh, and they were just here, they were just here playing uh, Davidson in North Carolina. So I just got to see him. I took my girlfriend, she's a big Clemson fan. So she took, she took me to a Clemson game and I'm jokingly taking her to a Marist game. Like just, it's not Clemson, you know, all right. Tamper your expectations, but it was still fun. So yeah, go Red Sox. A little bit smaller of a school. Um, yeah, slightly. Slightly. Uh, well, that's cool. So it's kind of funny that you applied to two schools that were both like known for their uh, like presidential polling and stuff, right? Yeah, just a coincidence on that. I mean, I, I applied to like a whole bunch of different schools. I applied to Boston University, um, just uh, a lot of like schools in the Northeast. And um, and just, yeah, Marist, Marist ended up being uh, just a great experience. I'm still really, really good friends with um, some of my roommates from those years and just saw one of my old roommates a couple of days ago. So it, it was a great experience. Yeah. I did the graduated with a communications degree and it was there at Marist where I figured out, okay, I, I want to do news and I want to do TV news. And I figured that out by interning for NBC for a year. Well, it sounds like you had a good experience um, either way. So you did some internships, uh, NBC, et cetera. And so what was your first job uh, in, in media, in news? Where was that at? So my, uh, my internship helped me get a job almost right after graduation with News 12 of the Bronx. And I was an assignment manager. I was an assignment editor promoted to assignment manager. So, excuse me. So my first job was behind the scenes, um, just thrown into the fire. Like I'd never been in a working newsroom professionally being paid before. And so this was managing the reporters, setting up stories for seven or eight reporters a day. It was like three of us on the desk. And when the reporters came in by like our 9 a.m. meeting or 9.30 meeting, I would come in at four in the morning. By the time they came in, I had to have stories set up for all of our reporters, they would come in and I would hand them, this is before GPS, this was before it was, was even on our phone, I would hand them MapQuest directions to where they were going. Yeah. I would hand them scripts from any stories we'd ever done on this before. It was really, I mean, what I was doing was reporting just behind the scenes. I was calling, you know, agencies, getting statements, I mean, I, I was setting up everything for them and basically handing their story on a silver platter. On some cases, we had fantastic reporters there who are now on the network level. So, you know, I'm not taking anything away from them. But, I mean, we worked really hard to behind the scenes to try to get really good stories on the air. And, and it, was, it was basically like my first experience kind of reporting because that's really what we were doing. We we're calling, you know, getting statements and, you know, and pre-interviewing people so i would tell the reporter hey you know uh th this woman she's really passionate about this area or if you ask her this question you know she gets emotional so just a heads up um 
so and and dealing with breaking news and launching the helicopter so i i did that for a year and towards the towards the end of the year i was getting a little burnt out on the schedule the 4 a.m to 2 p.m and commuting back to long island and i got to go out once or twice with a reporter um they had me go out with them on a scene and i thought you know this is this is really what i want to do like i want to report more like i want to be out there and interview people and i want to be on the front lines of you know where news is happening but i didn't have any reporting experience really i mean at marist we had tv production classes and and journalism classes but you know i, I really didn't know how to put a package together um, I, I still kind of don't, you know what I mean? But I, I didn't really know what I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know any of this. And we had a couple of reporters at the station who went to Columbia and they said, Matt, you, you should apply and you should try to go there because that's, you'll get a really good journalism education there. They'll teach you how to turn packages. They'll, you know, you should apply. And I did. And I got in. And to this day, I still don't know how I got in. I, I I still, you know, even when I was there, I was questioning, like, what am I doing here? Like, how this must be some mistake. But um, I did that. For, I went and got my master's in journalism. And I did that for a year. And um, and then my first job after I got my master's was in Market 130, making 17000 a year. Um, and I had turned down another job in Denison, Texas. It was the Ardmore, Oklahoma Bureau, and they offered me 12000 And they said, you know what? All of our reporters work for Starbucks, so we can, we can get you a job there if you want. And I, I turned it. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, I turned it down quickly, but then I ended up taking a job for, for 17000 And I'll tell you, my parents thought I was, yeah, they thought I was nuts. They're, they were going to pay you 12000 That's $1,000 a month. Yeah. Can, I mean, can you even imagine that? Like nowadays I look back and I'm like, I, you know, I don't so, know how I did it. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm. Yeah. What year would that have been approximately? Uh, when I was in Missouri, it was 2007 to 2010. So, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I was going to say and, it's a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. <laughs> no. And I remember, I, I think, you know, one of the, the competing stations, they were paying, you know, like, 27 or 28 and I, I was like what you know why are we getting why are we getting the shaft here and um and for a while I was like you know I, I think my girlfriend at the time she was like weekend anchoring and I think she was doing like 20 and I was like how how are you getting 20,000 you know like me like thinking that's like bigger money you know um yeah but you know my parents my parents thought it was and they really thought it was crazy because we had just spent you know uh, probably, you know, six figures to, to go to Columbia to, you know, for housing in the, in the city for a year because you can't work. Um, and, and to go to bake, basically making pennies, you know, they didn't understand it. I think they thought that going to grad school would be, you know, a rocket ship to like the network or something. And it, it just, it, the business doesn't work that way. And it's one of it's, the one piece of advice I kind of wish I got when I was going through college is that, you know, you, you got to pay your dues and, and have realistic expectations where you're going to start, how much you're going to be making. Although I, I do think to amend that all these years later, 
things are changing rapidly. I mean, I, I know people who are graduating college who are starting in top 20 markets as MMJs. So, um, you know, the idea now that you got to start in market 190 and work your way up, um, I, I think it exists still, but I, I think there's definitely opportunities to aim high. The only thing, the only caveat to that is I think the smaller markets are a little more forgiving to mistakes for young cub reporters than if you were going to make a mistake in a larger market, you know? Um, so there's value to starting in a, in a small market and I wouldn't trade my years in Missouri for anything as much as the pay sucked, you know, it kind of had that boot camp feel like we're all in the trenches together and we're all trying to, it was like a passion project for all of us. You know, none of us were getting rich living there. We were all doing it because we loved it. And because we thought we were actually making a difference and doing good. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I also started in a small market. Um, Odessa, Texas. Where'd you start? Uh, Odessa, oh, Texas Odessa. market 151. Um, very small. Yeah. Um, but it was a good market. And, uh, you know, I ultimately enjoyed living there. I found, I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I'm pretty adaptable and pretty much able to live anywhere, um, able to find the good in a place. Um, and uh, made a lot of lifelong friends there and uh, friendships of all sorts. And, a lot of Spanish spoken there and uh, that was interesting and you know uh, do you speak Spanish I do yeah um, but you know I'm rusty and was getting rusty at that point already um, I had done a study abroad in Spain um, so I was actually actually I was pretty good back then now I'm now I'm pretty bad but um, you know if you, if you don't use it you, you lose it to a large extent but um, but yeah, no, I mean, just, a, just an incredible cultural experience to be, uh, you know, they called me a Yankee sometimes cause I was coming from up North, but, um, you know, very friendly people and just, yeah, I mean, just the work ethic of all the reporters there and it, we were all young and hungry and not all of us were young, I guess, but most of us were young. Yeah, no, the small market life is, is very tough and, but, uh, but it's great. It definitely, you definitely pay your dues. You do, but it's rewarding though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yep. you come out of there, like I look back on on my time. I don't know how it is for you, but I look back on it now, like, you know, 10 years, you know, more than 10 years later, you know, I started in 2007 and, and I just look back on it, like really fondly, like those were some uh, transformative years. They, it was the first time I was ever on air. It was the first time I was ever anchoring. It was the first time I was reporting. Um, so it was just, it, it was like everything that I had wanted to do. and you knew you were putting in the dues and you knew you were sacrificing, but you knew also at the time that it was worth it. Um, it, it was tough as hell, man, but you know, it was so, it was so rewarding. Like I would never trade those years for anything. Um, and, and you're right too. Like you, you can go anywhere and the people in this country, like wherever you go, they're great. You're going to meet friends. Like you'll adapt to wherever you'll adapt to like wherever you go. When I left to go to Missouri, the furthest west I think I'd ever been was like Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I had never traveled to the Midwest. And so I didn't really know what to expect. And I, I went with my dad and we, we drove past the station and it, it was on a farm, like legit on a farm. <laughs> and I like almost had a panic attack. Like, what am I doing? I think I said to my dad, like, can can we turn around? Like, do I have to take this? So, I mean, I, I at first was like, what am I getting into? 
but I didn't know it at the time that what I was getting into was going to be something great, that I was going to be doing good stories and meeting great people that I'm still friends with. Um, and that those years would shape me into the reporter that I am today. Yeah. It's just, and those memories are incredible. And I think we'll always have those. Um, I still remember driving from Pennsylvania, you know, our stories are, eerily similar. I, I still remember driving from Pittsburgh down to Odessa, Texas with my dad. I was similar to you. I hadn't really been farther west than Texas. I guess I'd been to Colorado once, but um, never to California or anything like that. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, just, you know, pretty intimidating. I, w- I was game for it, but, um, you know, we drove through Arkansas and all that. And uh, it's funny, I vividly remember we, we, you know, it was kind of a fun, like father and son road trip, to be honest. But um, I had just graduated from college like two weeks earlier and, um, you know, I was young and, uh, I guess 22 years old, but, um, probably more of an 18 year old mindset, I guess even, but, uh, it was funny cause we, we were in Arkansas and I had to go to the bathroom really badly, you know, when you're on the highway and there's not always a good bathroom or any bathroom at all. And, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere and we got to a gas station and I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Okay, here we go. And I walk in and, um, I think I was also like really thirsty too. So the first thing I did was like buy a drink and drink like half of it. And then I'm like looking for the bathroom because it looks like there's a door and they're like, Oh no, that's broken. That's totally broken. You can't use that. And I was like, okay, how about another one? They're like, no, we don't have it. And you know, so I had no idea how much longer we'd have to go. And so I, <laughs> I come outside and I told my dad, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to the bathroom in the back of this place about, you know, the back of this building here. I'm going to, you know, urinate is, is what I'm getting at. And, um, and he was like, he like freaked out. He's like, what the hell? He's like, no way. No, 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 no. You're going to hold that. You're going to wait. He's like, you are a professional now. <laughs> like, he's like, you are not a little kid anymore. You're not in college. You are like a public figure. I was like, no, we're in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. And he's like, no, no, it doesn't matter. This is about mindset. You cannot do that. And it was like this really like moment that I always remember. And I mean, I definitely did make some mistakes after that, but it's funny because that one little conversation, honestly, helped me from, you know, honestly, probably making a lot of other mistakes that I could have made um, thereafter, because it, it just gave me this mindset of, you know, I, I did need someone to tell me that, you know, like, look, man, you're not in college anymore. Because, you know, Penn State's a pretty cra- crazy school. That's where I went to college. There's a lot of drinking, a lot of uh, debauchery, debauchery, whatever the word is. And um, yeah. yeah, so anyway, it was kind of a wake up call. Wow. I mean, you know, I hear that it's, it's really like good advice. It's good, you know, it's good uh, life advice. But man, I bet at the time, you know, I, I'm sure you weren't thinking that. I'm sure you were like, geez, man, I, I just got to go. Like, right, right. What's, yeah, the big, so. what's the big deal? But right. it's, it's good long-term advice, you know, just be mindful of like your presence. I mean, you're, you are, if you're on TV, you know, you are, I mean, it doesn't always feel like it, but you are in a sense a public figure. Right. And you're going to have eyes and you're going to have eyes on you. Absolutely. So it is, um, it's a good reminder. Yeah. I mean, and as reporters and, and news people, I mean, there's definitely a lot of privileges. I would never deny that. There's a lot of privilege that comes with that and recognition, you know, and then a lot of us will talk about it. There's also a lot of downsides too. And you, there's some things you sacrifice and things you lose and generally it's worth it. But, you know, one thing is that, well, first of all, no one should ever uh, drink and then drive. That is a horrible practice. That's, you know, of course, but reporters, you know, some people do it and, and, um, you know, in the world, but if a reporter were to do that and get caught, I mean, they're, they're fired, you know, their career is ostensibly over. And, um, 
you know, there's other things like that too. If a reporter were to, oh, I have to even even the, even the, the example I get, you know, oh, I have to go to the bathroom really bad. I'm at a concert. It's like an outdoor concert. You know, you go way into the wilderness. But you know, the bottom line is that's illegal, and uh, you know, you kind of have a target on your back. You know, for good reason though, because people, you know, look to you to be, um, you know, beacons of truth and trustworthiness. So that's that's a good thing. I, I like that that we have that you know that high standard. Agreed. Let's, let's rein it back in. And um, so let's talk about, uh, don't give me any narrative descriptions of, of the rest of your markets. Just tell me your path, you know, so the call letters of the stations you went to after that and, and what city they were in. Sure. Um, worked for uh, Fox 46 um, in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, I think the call letters were WFTX. Um, it was a journal station and now it's, uh, I believe it's Scripps. And then from there, I went to uh, Wesh in Orlando, which was a Hearst station, and uh, was there for four years. And then I left to go to uh, Fox 46 in Charlotte, which is where I'm at now, WJZY. And I've been here for two years, uh, just hit my two-year mark uh, in September, and just resigned. So I'll be here for another two years. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I, I think you signed in Charlotte right after I had met you um, in Philadelphia in 2015. And uh, we had a nice Italian uh, dinner together with like seven other people, I think, including my. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. I just, yep. I think, I think I was still at, I think I was still at West and I left West in 2017. Yeah. You, so were, I've been, you were, yeah, you were still at West and then you, you got the job right after like a few months, right after that conference or no. Uh, I got the job here in September of 2017. Oh, okay. And uh, and just and hit my two year mark September. I think it was September. I should know this. I think it's 25th. Yeah, I think that's well, when I started. I, I apologize. My memory failed me. I, I should not be telling you about your career. So, um, no, yeah, no, so it's all right. 2017. I barely remember my career. <laughs> so you were at Wesh, and that's right. That's why we were at the same table because it was a Hearst uh, broadcasting table. That makes sense. And uh, yeah. West is a, is a W E S H is is a Hearst station in uh, Orlando, right? So um, yeah, yeah, great, I, great I, station. I had I had been hired at W T A E about like uh, about uh, four weeks, three three weeks earlier than before that. Uh, actually, that conference, and um, it was funny because our, our news director was going, and uh, he was like, "Oh, do you want to just ride with me?" And he, he's a great guy, uh, Justin Antonetti. But um, I barely knew him. Um, I was just this new guy he had just hired. And, and so we drove from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia, which is about five and a half hours, five hour drive, um, which is interesting. I mean, if you put yourself in my shoes, you know, or his shoes, but, um, you know, it's someone you barely know you just hired. And that, that's a long drive, you know, with your, uh, your, your boss, you know, so. That's a um, very long drive. That is, that would terrify me, to be honest with you. I mean, that's like one of, that's one of those things that could either like, could be great and you guys could bond and hit it off and it's wonderful or could end up being really awkward. It's yeah. like kind of, I, I could see it being one extreme or the other. Um, yeah. How, how was it? Uh, obviously it went well. I mean. Um, yeah, actually it went as good as it could have gone. I mean, you know, Justin's a great guy and um, I mean, I don't think he denied that he's kind of on the shy side and, you know, I'm an on-air personality, so I'm actually can be quite shy, but I, you know, I come off as extroverted and, and try to be so, um, yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, I was actually pretty confident. I figured, you know, I don't, not that I don't have anything to lose, but like, I had a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time. My mom was kind of 
dying basically. And I was, I was in the midst of a very stressful uh, master's degree and had just moved home to Pittsburgh. Um, so I had a lot of stuff going on in my mind. So that was kind of the least of my worries. And I figured, uh, you know, whatever, I mean, I, you know, I think I have nothing to hide and, and, you know, I mean, I was, you know, you're right though. It has the potential to be awkward though. Cause if you don't talk to the person, you know, you're just sitting in silence and, but, um, you know, I like to talk, so it was, it was good. And, and he was, you know, we had similar backgrounds and I, I do like hearing people's biographies. And that's probably one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is I, I like hearing people's, uh, origin stories and, and how they came up, you know, no matter what the industry is. Um, so yeah, Justin has an interesting story. I mean, and you learn about people. I, I like the little tidbits that, you know, the fabric of their personalities, like he is the biggest, um, what's the band, uh, Bare Naked Ladies. He's the biggest Bare Naked Ladies fan, which, um, you know, when I first met him, I never would have guessed that, but he loves the band and, and he's met them and he's traveled, you know, got to their concerts. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, you get to know behind the scenes of people during a long drive like that. So I, I really do like road trips. Um, actually did uh, California to Pittsburgh this summer, um, which was really cool. Nice. And funny that you mentioned Bare Naked Ladies because I just saw them in concert like not too long ago they opened up for i think they opened it was either dave matthews band or hootie and the blowfish i think it was hootie they opened up for hootie i'm pretty oh, sure yeah well, it was hootie, you know, it was hootie. Ever, and then they came on at the end to play with them so it was it was cool anyway your old news no, director would surprise that that cool. that. no yeah small world um i mean if you ever applied for you know uh chief investigative reporter slash main anchor at the uh burlington vermont slash plattsburgh new york market then you can uh, put that in your cover letter to Justin that you're a bare naked. Hired, I guarantee it. First, first sentence. <laughs> actually, you know, it actually would be a pretty creative cover letter if you, if you knew that the news director you were trying to impress uh, liked a, liked that band and you wrote the whole cover letter with like allusions to bare naked ladies' lyrics. Like, you know, it's been one week since I applied to this job. Oh you know, that, yeah, since I applied for this job. Um, okay. Something about a million dollars. Yeah, I was just going to say, if, I, if you paid me a million dollars, I would definitely sign with you. Yeah, that would be pretty clever. Um, that would actually, be good. Did, I, I did some pretty crazy stuff on my cover letters coming out of uh, Market 151. Like, I, I would write, like, like, the first line would just be, like, the PIOs in this market don't like me very much. You know, that was, like, my opening line. Um, you know, oh, that would, that was like your, your signature because like, it's like a badge of honor. Like if the PIOs don't like you, you must be doing something right. Kind of exactly. Thing, right? Exactly. And, and for those who don't know what that a PIO, it's, it stands for public information officer. It's like the spokesperson for the police department, the fire department, this, that, and the other. And, and usually, you know, they're, they're great people, but they're usually gatekeepers and they're trying to keep information away from the public and hide things because that's their job. And, um, so they didn't let, you know, if, if, if they don't like you, that implies that you're asking tough questions and getting to the bottom of things. So I saw that as a, as a good move and, you know, it, it got me some, a lot of responses, but, um, at that point, everybody wanted me to be a one man band, which I, which I didn't really want to do. Um, I'm curious, I'm curious, Bo, if, if your, um, impression of PIOs have, have changed from when you wrote those cover letters, because I know that the common path is if, if a reporter is going to leave the business, they're going to most likely they're going to become a public information officer. Uh, that's the most common, at least it's the most common track. And so the longer that I'm in this business, the more I start knowing people who go to quote the dark side. Um, and, and I think I, I, I've really grown to appreciate how difficult their job is and more appreciate 
what they do. Because I think, you know, for a while I had that mentality too, like, you know, it's us versus them. They're trying to shield us and block us from getting the information. Um, but when I left Orlando, I, ha- I had several PIOs come to my going away party and, and I'm, I'm friends with, with several of them, um, you know, in Florida and, and throughout the country. And so I, I, I do appreciate and respect what they do. Yeah, it's always that conflict in terms of trying to get information and there's that give and take. But I was curious to see if your impression from your cover letter days have, have evolved or if you still feel that it's, it's an us versus them, you know, system. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, my feeling has not really evolved. I mean, I, I still think that it's just a simple fact that, you know, their objective is typically, and, and you know, I can't lump them all together because, look, you know, there's PIOs, so to speak, for like the Lung Cancer Foundation, you know, and they're not really trying to hide anything or pull one over on you for the most part. Um, right. There's, there's different breeds of these like spokespeople, and, and usually PIO refers to officer because it's like a police department. And I mean, look, I mean, you know, even like all of us, every human being, like we all have sort of our, our PR situation and then our, our truth, you know? And so, you know, I don't tell you everything about my life. I kind of keep things, some things are hidden, some things are public, you know, I make the good thing, you know, it's, it's almost like your Instagram profile, you know, you don't um, post photos typically when you're sick or whenever you, you know, did something dumb or forgot something, you know, you post your best face and that's kind of what business is and, police departments do too and everything else, you know, they generally keep hidden and, and you, and to get it, you have to either really press them or file a freedom of information act request, um, you know, to, to get things. So look, I mean, I don't think they're like bad human beings. I don't judge anyone for going to become a, a PIO, but you know, even if they were a reporter before, you know, and in fact, I mean, I'm someone who's now, you know, gotten out of the business and I plan to get back in it, but, um, you know, I totally understand that decision. Um, but then again, I mean, I do think, you know, I guess I would say, like, I think it's fine to be friends with PIOs. Like, there's a guy named Nick Paradise who I actually have invited to be a guest on the, the podcast. And I went to Penn State with him. He was a journalism guy. He worked in Washington and then Georgia as a TV reporter. And then now he's back home in Pittsburgh and he's like the PIO or the public, you know, the PR guy for an amusement park. And he loves his job. And, you know, he's yeah. a very public face now. People know him really well. He's almost like Pittsburgh famous now. And, and we're friends. I mean, we're definitely high level acquaintances, if not friends. Um, and I don't see a problem with that. I don't think that's a huge conflict of interest. But like, I would kind of hesitate to be quote friends with like, the PIO of the police department if I were still a reporter, just because you know, there's some really contentious stories. And it actually could sort of kind of sort of become a conflict of interest. So I mean, look, I'm not well, going to. And that you. and that I well, that I completely agree with you on. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. the, the PIOs that I'm friends with are, are they're not in the market that I'm in. They're not, you know, here in the area. They're people that I used to know in Florida or something like that. But I, I agree with you completely. Yeah, there com- there could be a huge conflict of interest there. I've worked with great PAOs and I've worked with really terrible ones. And you know, yeah, ultimately our job is to get information for our viewers and for the public, right? So. If a PIO is going to withhold that information, then like you said, you go through other means. You go through Freedom of Information Act requests. You you do reporting and you try to get the truth. That's ultimately what what we're what our job is. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, there can be huge conflicts of interest there. I you know I I can I don't see a, a conflict of being friends with PIOs who are not in any way that I would have a working relationship. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I, so I think we're on the same page. But um, 
Yeah, it was just kind of a thing that, you know, I, I envisioned myself as a, you know, a, a tough reporter who, who, you know, I didn't like when people lied to my face and, you know, I don't like that in life either. And um, so I guess I was just trying to get that point across, but yeah, cover letters can, can be fun. So you, uh, you've been at uh, Fox 46 now since 2017. So about two years. And um, I noticed when you started, they, they really pulled out the red carpet for you in some sense um, of, of giving you like very customized um, promotions and, and graphics and stuff. Like even your, your Twitter header is um, this pretty cool, like silhouetted uh, graphic of you with uh, the words Fox 46 investigates. So, I mean, did you have to negotiate? Are you, are you, are you the chief investigative reporter there or, or what's your deal? I, you know, I, I y yes, um, maybe by default. Uh, no, we, uh, we had a, we have a, we have a really good investigative team right now. Um, we're unfortunately one of our, our excellent investigative reporters is leaving us to go to, um, to another station. So we're going to definitely miss him. So yeah, I, I guess um, I guess by default I would be the chief, um, but they were they were very kind when I when I started. They're they're very they're very good to me. They make me look better than I am or deserve. Um, they uh, they really wanted to uh, put uh, an emphasis and a push on promoting our brand, and they wanted to do that from day one. And so they'll constantly update our promotions um they put me up on a bus and uh i think a billboard too so they they want to promote what we do um i'll do regularly i'll do radio interviews locally here to promote some stories that we're working on and, and talk to like you know our, our local radio hosts about what we're doing so it's all about kind of making the community aware like hey we're doing good journalism here and we want you to watch it and how do we do that? So we social media through advertising, through promotions. Um, one of the things that the station does, which I really like is they'll do other stations. will call them like proof of performance. It's basically, you know, 20, 30 second spots that'll air. That's like a recap of a story that we did. So like our brand is getting results and it's, it's our station's mission. Like we want to try to help people. So we do a lot of stories that are aimed at trying to help folks like get an issue resolved. And so we'll do commercials highlighting like examples of stories that we did, like, Hey, this is how we helped someone. Um, for example, I did a story recently on, on this guy, he's, he's dying and he was like a lifelong well, lifelong, I mean, for 25 years, uh, he was a, a Panthers season ticket holder uh, since the day one of, of the Panthers and recently came down with this illness, the scarring of the lungs that made it, it virtually impossible for him to get to his seat. And so they called the, the ticket office and they said, hey, what can we do? You know, my, my dad can't get to a seat that he's already paid for. And they basically said, well, you can upgrade for an extra $200 a ticket to an indoor climate controlled area. And the family thought that was, was unfair. So they reached out to us. We did the story. The next day, the owner of the Panthers is like, we're going to make this right. This is unacceptable. And they got them box suites to, uh, to the game and they, they hooked them up with all sorts of merchandise. I mean, that's like one example. It's like a, 
a small example, but to this family, like it meant everything to them because this guy yeah. was such a fan and he wanted to go to just one more game. And, you know, had we not have done that, I don't know what would have happened, but that's, it's like one story of many. And so we'll take an example of that and we'll show our viewers that in case they missed the story, we'll do a spot. Like, this is how we're getting results for you. And then we'll, we'll do a call to action. Like if you have, you know, a problem that you want us to help get resolved, give us a call. So yeah. it's twofold. It kind of shows the viewers like, Hey, look, like getting results, like this is more than just a slogan. Like it's what we do and we want to help you. So let us help you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very cool. Um, yeah, the owner of the Panthers, uh, David Tepper, uh, has a lot of Pittsburgh ties. The uh, Carnegie Mellon University's uh, School of Business, uh, which is located in Pittsburgh, is named after him. It's the Tepper School of Business. And as you may or may not know, he was a part owner of the Steelers until he bought the Panthers. I did know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, like our, our paths are, are kind of crossing. But um, yeah, no, he's he's done a lot for the team. And um, and for our for that story i mean he to see to see the owner of the team the next day at a news conference saying i saw your story and i'm going to look into this and i'm going to make it right i mean you know that was, it was a cool moment to see that he like, said that wow okay yeah he said that he said that at a press conference the next day he said i saw your story on twitter and i'm go and this was the next day like the next morning i saw your story on twitter i'm going to uh, I'm going to look into this and we're going to make things right. And he did. That is very cool. That is very cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you know, I think that's why we do this or I say we, I'm, I'm out of it, but that's, you know, I'm going to get back in, but that's, uh, that's why reporters uh, do this kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's a great uh, joy to, to have stuff like that and be able to help people even on those, uh, you know, so, you know, somewhat smaller, like advocacy stories, but those, those are big. I mean, those are, those are life changing for people. Um, so that is yeah. awesome. Uh, kudos to you for that. Um, and you mentioned you worked in Fort Myers, um, man, that market, like I know so many people who've worked there. I think, uh, yeah, Noah Pransky, who I interviewed and who, you know, from IRE, um, he works there. He's fantastic. Isn't he? He's fantastic. Isn't he? He is. Oh yeah. Um, he's a big, I'm a big fan of his and, and aspire to, you know, match his reporting at some point. Um, or, or, you know, I uh, definitely admire his reporting and, and his creativity. Um, and he was actually the first guest on the podcast way back in 2017. Um, and then I, I uh, neglected to post his interview until October of 2019. So um, it's a very dated interview, but it is, it is the first episode ever of uh, the reporter podcast. And then now we have all the rest of the episodes are all recent, but, um, and you're the most recent. Um, but yeah, so uh, Noah, but also my cousin, um, Dan Haggerty worked in Fort Myers and he met his now wife, Kristen Severance there. And so, yeah, I just, I know so many people who, who worked in Fort Myers. It's crazy, but, um, we had such a good crew. I mean, when I was down in Fort Myers, like 2010 to 2013 or 14, 13, like we just had so many good reporters. There's so many good reporters that come out of that, that market who have just gone on to do really good things. Um, Sam Smink uh, was one of my competitors and she, um, you know, she's in Boston now. Um, and so uh, I'm trying to think who else. And we just, we had a, a lot of really good talented reporters come out of there. I was lucky to work with them and alongside of them. Um, I just think it made me better because they were so good. Yeah, 
I mean, definitely that, you know, iron sharpens iron, as they say. Um, so it's, I like that expression. Uh, yeah. Um, iron sharpens iron. You know, you, you actually want, um, you know, tough competition, I think, in, in life, or at least I do. Um, sometimes we don't think we want it, but it's, it's probably the best uh, for us. Um, so um, let's uh, get into, let, let's hit on a couple more of these long form questions really quickly. And then we're going to run out of time here. So we'll, we'll then jump into the rapid fire uh, question segment of the, of the show. So, um, so just uh, what, so you're an award-winning reporter. You've won uh, Murrow awards and Emmy awards just in, you know, two minutes or less. Just tell me uh, which award you're most proud of and what that story, you know, what story won you that award? Uh, so the one that I'm most proud of, was it was the Murrow and it was an Emmy for uh, a series of stories that I did in Fort Myers uh, about a local college that at the time was named Edison State College. It's now called Florida Southwestern, I think. Um, it's this little, it, it was a small uh, uh, college in Fort Myers and we essentially did two years worth of investigations into this school. Um, I had a really supportive news director who let us dig into this college and I, I just broke so many stories and uncovered so much. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but I just so many things wrong with this school that we were able to expose and bring to light. Uh, for example, the, the college president was making more than any other president, college president of any other school in the state, more than Miami, um, more than uh, any other school. And this was a school that was a two-year school that became a four-year, a small school that um, FSU, you know, Miami, I mean, all these schools, he was making more than them. And he was getting a housing allowance and he was getting a take-home car, which was a Cadillac Escalade, which was paid for with donations to the college's um, fund, which was meant to help students in need. And instead, it went to pay for his Cadillac Escalade. Oh, and then, by the way, found out that we broke the story. We beat the newspaper to it, which I was proud of. Um, we found out that the nursing students were lied to about their program's accreditation status. They were told in writing and verbally uh, that the program was, that the nursing program was accredited. And we found out that when they were told that, they were lied to. Um, the program was never accredited. They didn't even apply for accreditation until like seven or eight months later. Um, and so kids basically were graduating from a program that wasn't accredited. And so the school then sent the PIO sent me an email with like 50 colleges that she said, well, all of these schools will take our students because for the nursing students who are graduating, you know, a lot of them are going to go to another school, but it's going to, they need the college is only going to take them if they graduated from an accredited school. And so what I did was, and this is a tip for anyone who's interested, you know, who wants to be a reporter, it's just question everything. So the list of schools that they gave me, I called every single one of them. And I said, would you take, would you take students from this school? And surprise, surprise, many of them said, no, we wouldn't. And even sh more shocking, some of them said, we didn't even know we were on this list. We've never heard of the school. We want to get off this list. Okay. So we did another. So we did another story on that. It was just—it's like peeling the onion back. It was yeah. just one thing led to another, and just 
you know, creating a position. We had a, a very controversial um, superintendent for the Lee County School District who got a half million dollar golden parachute to leave. And he was friends with the president of Edison State College. And they basically created a position just for him. And um, we, we asked the PIO, like, you know, hey, did you create this position for the superintendent? And she didn't know how to answer the question. And we, yeah. we looped her answer on, on repeat for several stories. But yeah, we, we, did, we did two years of stories on the school. We had board members admitting on camera that they rubber stamped whatever was in front of them, that they weren't doing their job. They weren't even reading what they were signing. They were just blanket signing everything. It was just so out of control. So the, um, the college on its 50th anniversary, right after it, they changed the name from Medicine State College to Florida Southwestern because the PIO told me, because all of our stories, when you Googled Edison State College, it was all of our stories. Wow. And it was such negative attention that because of all the, you know, we were covering this months before anyone else in the market picked up on it. It was just me doing it. And then finally, everybody else jumped in on it. But we were the first and the college PIO told me it was because of all the negative stories that when you Google them, they didn't want that. So they changed, they fired the president, they fired the vice president, and they changed the name of the college. And I, you know, I said, all right, after that, how can I, what else can I do? Like, that's probably like the peak of anything I'll do in my career. But Maybe just get them because we had to go down the physical building at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's still standing there. And I, I wish if anyone has an Edison State College t-shirt, I'd, uh, you can't find him anymore, but I'd love to have one. We were bringing, I mean, serious issues to light and we made the school better. And I think that's ultimately what we want to do. You know, I mean, we're the, the point of bringing these issues to light is to shine a light on how taxpayer money is spent uh, into questionable spending into, you know, these nursing students who are paying hard money for their degree only to be lied to. I mean, the goal is we want to make the place that we're in a little bit better when we leave. And that's, and I think we did that at least with that school and, and hopefully my time in Fort Myers. And so, so that award is very special to me because of that. Yeah. Honest. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. It sounds like a incredible series of stories. I mean, anytime you're working on it for two years, that's a testament. And anytime, you know, people are getting fired and things are shutting down and names are changing, that's also a testament to some great journalism. Um, one thing that you screwed you. up. Yeah, yeah. One thing you screwed up is that that was supposed to be two minutes or less. So you, that was like 10 minutes, but um, that's oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I go long, I go long wind. I go long winded like my packages sometimes. No, yeah, I do too. So you got 145 and I'm like, here's a trip <laughs> for three minutes. <laughs> That's like the story of my life. So I, I totally understand. Um, so we'll, we'll forgive you. Um, but no, it's a good story and, and good information. So, um, all right. So let's jump right into the uh, rapid fire questions, which uh, come at the end of the, the show. So um, these are questions designed for you to answer pretty quickly, uh, really fast, like a one word answer or one sentence answer. Sometimes I will probe you for probe for uh, more information, you know, a little deeper dive into it, you know, just like a little quick one line explanation, but um, in general, um, quick answers, you know, under, under 30 seconds for sure. So, um, got it. Uh, what's your, a few, a few years back, I think I remember noticing that you had lost a significant amount of weight. Uh, so the question is, what is your, what was your secret to weight loss? What's your favorite type of workout? I had a personal trainer and, um, 
and I'm doing Orange Theory now. So trying to, uh, I laughed a little bit trying to get back into it, but um, uh, Orange Theory um, interval training, I think is like really good. Okay, awesome. Um, how much do you love Charlotte, love living in Charlotte on a scale of one to 10, 10 is the highest? Mm, an eight. Okay, great. Um, on, on your Twitter bio, it says that you're very into coffee. Um, would you rather have cold brew? Are you, are you into cold brew or what's your favorite type of coffee? Love cold brew. Um, cold brew, uh, uh, cold brew any day, all day or a cappuccino. Same, same here. I'm, I'm a cold brew addict, um, which is probably a pretty like snobby thing to say, but whatever. Um, all right. By the way, the Starbucks, the Starbucks pumpkin one is so good. <laughs> I, I like, I just, I, I like, I just had to say that. It's yes, very good. No, it, I, I did try it. I couldn't resist. It is definitely good. Um, I, uh, I go black, uh, like 95% of the time for like health reasons, but, um, I eventually, I, uh, sometimes I do splurge and, and get some of that cream stuff. And yeah, that pumpkin one was definitely really good. You know, so I saw yeah, they have really thing. good, they have really good black, black iced coffee too. Yeah. Um, but iced coffee is different than cold brew. Always remember that the iced coffee is bitter and, you know, is just like regularly brewed coffee that they put on ice. And then the cold brew is yep. over time. So it definitely tastes different. Yep. Um, and I do not like, I, this sounds incredibly snobby and idiotic, but I, I really don't like iced coffee. I, I like cold brew. So whatever. Um, have you used a drone for reporting at all? And if so, how much has it helped your reporting? I've never personally operated a drone before because of licenses and stuff like that. And you have special training and certifications or whatever they go through. Um, but we have used a drone for one of my stories before one of our photographers used it. And I think it's great. We don't have a helicopter. We use a drone and it just gives you um, a, a video that you couldn't get from the ground. So I, I'm very much in favor of it. Like when we had um, a house explode, the video from the air, it helped tell the story and get us information that we couldn't have had just eyes on the ground. So right. I think it's, um, I think it's a really good tool. Awesome. Yeah. Our school district just got one, um, which I'm really excited about. And uh, I opened it up today and spent several hours researching how to set it up and use it. And then I got out there in the afternoon and flew it. Um, and if the, if the FAA is, is listening to this podcast, which I assume they are, um, it's not for commercial purposes. <laughs> so it is legal for me to do without a license. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was exhilarating. Oh my goodness. I, I, I had kind of been pretty bearish on drones for a long time, but I am now quite bullish on them. Um, big fan of the drone. Um, what is the favorite, your favorite place in the world that you've ever traveled? Would you say? Key West. What advice would you, in brief, in brief, uh, under a minute, minute or less, what advice would you give your 25 year old self? Trust your team, trust your instincts. You're going in the right direction. And most importantly, trust your own instincts. Work really hard, be kind, and question everything. <laughs> that's a lot of advice, man. Um, that's good stuff, though. Very good stuff. Um, I, like, I, I love the term question everything. That is such like an investigative reporter thing. I mean, because not everyone operates their lives that way, but that is definitely how I operate my life. And uh, it definitely opens some, cans of, opens some cans of worms sometimes for me, but um, there's no other way I'd rather live. Um, in fact, I actually kind of want to get it on a t-shirt, but um, that's a whole other story. So uh, speaking of t-shirts, um, what's, what's, what's your favorite thing that you've purchased in the last year or so that cost $100 or less? It was only like 10 bucks and I love it, uh, but, I can't, but it's embarrassing because I can't remember the quote. 
it's this, it's this quote from Gandhi and it's on my desk and it's in this really cool frame. And to the, I, I can't remember what it says. This is so embarrassing, but the essence was, it was like 10 bucks. I love it. I keep it on my desk. And it's this quote from Gandhi and it was paraphrasing, like just seek out the truth and, um, and be, and be nice, but fearless. And, um, it's paraphrasing, but basically it's just kind of a reminder to me every day when I see that, like, you can be kind, but you can be tough and fair in your reporting. You can be fearless in your reporting and still be nice and keep your humanity about you. So, so Matt, it, Matt, I, uh, the, I let you in on a little secret here and everybody else. I, I, as of right now, I'm recording, I record the podcast in my kitchen, um, of all places, and on my um, dishwasher, which is metal, the exterior, I have a magnet, and it's a Gandhi quote, and I'm holding it in my hand right now. It says, be truthful, gentle, and fearless. That's the quote. That's it. Yes. Our paths cross again, man. Great, great minds think alike. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember the quote, but that's it. And I have it in this really nice frame on my desk, and I, I look at it every day, and it's, it's daily um, inspiration for me. It's a great quote. I love it. And that was like 10 bucks. So that was way under a hundred dollars. And it's probably one of the, uh, the best things that I bought recently. Yeah. Good stuff. Another good Gandhi quote is, uh, many paths, one truth. What is something you carry with you every day as a reporter that you see as indispensable, but might actually surprise some people? Well, I don't know if it would surprise people because it's, it's cliche, but maybe just because of today, everything is so modern. Like I still bring a notepad and a pen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's how I always, always operated. I take notes on my pen. I see reporters, they're typing notes in their phone or they're using, um, you know, some kind of a tablet or something. To me, uh, I've always liked writing notes down on a paper and pen. So I don't know if that would surprise anybody, but today in the digital age when everyone's using their phones to take notes on everything. Um, even when I'm doing live shots, I, I still, I'll go off a couple bullet point notes that I write down on a, you know, on a, on a reporter's notepad instead of doing it on my phone. So um, I, I still old school that way, I guess. Very good. Yeah, that's a good answer actually. Um, Cause I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't, I don't like the whole uh, typing on your really small iPhone, you know, when the fire chief is telling you about the fire or, you know, you're in the middle of an investigative report, it's just, it's too small and it's too prone to error. Um, what, uh, what TV show are you streaming right now on Netflix or Hulu or HBO? Uh, so my girlfriend and I are watching how I met your mother. Um, oh, I, I started it. watching it years I started watching it years ago and never finished it and she'd never seen it. So we're up to like season seven now. So yeah. we're, um, so we're watching, so we're watching that. I never got to finish it. So that's, that's what we're doing. There's a ton of shows that we want to watch after that. Um, Stranger yeah. Things and just, it's like the golden age of TV right now. It's like, there's too many shows, but oh, that's, what we're, that's what we're watching now. Way too many. I have intense FOMO because you just can't watch them all. And if you do, then, it kind of ruins your life because you're just watching TV all day. So yeah, it's, it's really tough right now, honestly, to uh, watch. And everyone's got their favorite that you have, that you have to see. Oh, right, know? right, right. Oh, game of Thrones. You got to watch it. If you don't watch it, then you know, you're, you're, you're really, you're missing out. So, you know, everyone, everyone has their, their one, you know, breaking bad, breaking bad. If you haven't seen it, you haven't lived. 
Um, so I love I love Breaking Bad. It's maybe one of my favorite shows of all time, next to Lost. And I mean, Game of Thrones you, will be the next show I watch. Did you see the Breaking Bad movie on Netflix? I haven't watched it yet. No, I just haven't had time to. But I I really want to see it. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Sure, sure. Did you watch Better Call Saul? No, I didn't. Um, was, but I hear it. I hear it's great. Yeah, that was the spinoff. I. Yeah, I did. I, I, I hear it's great, but it's, it's, it's another show that I got to see. And yeah, I watched, threw yeah, another I, one. Yeah. Well, How I Met Your Mother is a great show. Uh, very funny. Surprisingly good for like a network show because those usually aren't that good in my opinion, but it's very good. And um, uh, Robin is a, is a great character, a TV reporter, um, very beautiful TV reporter at that. And um, she's actually on a new show actually right now, that actor, uh, Kobe Smolders. Um, Sm- yeah, Sm- Smolders, yeah. I forget what it's called, but anyway. Um, all right, what is your favorite podcast? I, I really like Daily, um, the New York Times podcast. I listen to it every morning going into work. Um, NPR Politics has a pretty good one. Um, and then uh, I really liked um, uh, the first episode of Serial. I, I didn't care for it after that, but I thought the first <laughs> first series, the first season was really good. That's funny. The first, um, the first season or the first episode? The first season, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. the first season I, I, I thought was second, the first I was like, season was great. You're harsh, you're like the one episode was good. The rest, <laughs> no, 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 no. The first season, the first season was great. I didn't, um, I, I didn't care for the seasons after that, but the first season of that was was yeah. great. Awesome. Um, yeah, the daily is really good. But can we can we talk about Michael Michael Babaro's voice for a minute? It's so good, isn't it? I mean, I I, I, I cannot. On a day-to-day basis, I can't decide if I hate it, which is my first instinct, or if I love it. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so suspenseful and, you know, unique. I mean, do you, th- do you think, like, when he goes, like, to order a cup of coffee, like, that's how he talks? Like, I'll have the mocha frappuccino. Yeah, he's like, he's like. Please. <laughs> he's like, on today's order, a, a mocha, yeah. a cafe mocha. Yeah. I'm Michael yeah. And you're like, do I'm, we have to I'm, write yeah. all that what's, shit what's your name? for you, dude? Yeah, just tell me your first name, Mike. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and what's your name? I'm oh, Michael Barbaro. Is the daily. <laughs> this is the daily order. It's like, dude, just. This is the daily order. Why are you whispering? What's going on? Yeah, just tell me the order. Yeah, but no, it's it's they do a really good job with that, and I mean, it's just always on point, you know, with the latest thing and you know, pretty in-depth. And I mean, heck, you know, honestly, they, it would be crappy if it wasn't a really good show. Just at, you know, if you look at the resources they have at their disposal, I mean, they're basically interviewing reporters who are covering the biggest stories in the country and the world. So, you know. Um, it's, a brilliant, it's a brilliant idea to showcase, to really showcase all their reporters. And yeah, uh, not only are they so knowledgeable, but I mean, to bring it into a podcast, it's a great idea. And, and they're, their episode, their episodes are so well produced. I think they've got some uh, some NPR uh, folks over there, like helping them out producing it. Um, but just the shows are fantastic, so I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, I listen to it a lot. Um, Twitter has it done more good or more bad for news overall for the news industry? Oh, oh and this is I got to answer this in thirty thirty seconds yeah. or less. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a it's a double-edged sword. I think um, I think ultimately, I would say it's a good thing. Uh, you know, when you're in a breaking news situation and you can get out information quickly to your viewers, I think that's a good thing. You know, yeah, of course, yeah. there's the downside. Social yeah. media is so negative, and 
you know, it's polarizing and, you know, it, if you, if, you know, PIO gives you wrong information and you're blasting that out to your followers and, you know, then what? So, yeah, I see both sides. Ultimately, I think Twitter, social media, it's a net positive. It brings a lot of voices together and it gets information out quickly. So I think that's ultimately a good thing. What is, this is not a journalism related question, but what is one thing you believe that most people, most other people would say is kind of crazy? I think that it's hard for me to imagine that like we're alone in the universe as, as expansive as it is that, you know, it's just us here on earth. So maybe a crazy idea is that I think there's probably some other life form somewhere out there that it's probably not just us, but who knows? All right, getting towards the end here. Um, if you could have a billboard on the most highly traveled road in Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles, and Charlotte, what would you mm. put on that billboard? It's, it's free, and Matt Grant gets to decide what it says or what the picture is, what the image is. What would you have on it? Question everything. And, and listen right. to Bo's podcast. <laughs> listen to Question everything and listen to Bo Berman's podcast. If you left... Um, this is a fill in the blank. We're kind of looking for your uh, journalism, like like alter ego. So the example is Bo is the blank of journalism. And so my choice is to call myself the Jason Bourne of journalism. Bo is the Jason Bourne of journalism. What would your answer be? Matt is the blank of journalism. So I didn't come up with this nickname, so I can't take credit for it. But our one of our anchors, Diane Alviar, nicknamed me this. She calls me the polite pit bull of journalism. Oh. So I would, I would go with that nickname. It kind of goes back to that Gandhi quote, like yeah. you can be kind and polite and keep your humanity, but you can be a pit bull when you need to be. Uh, so yeah, yeah, polite pit bull. I, I love it. I love it. And I was definitely going to say that that's on point with the Gandhi quote. Um, who is your favorite stand-up comedian um, right now or all time? Either one, but just pick one. Uh, Seinfeld and, and Dave Chappelle. I'll give you two. What is the best movie about journalism of all time? You know, I, I really like the movie Shattered Glass about the scandal with the New Republic. I don't know if that's, I, I wouldn't say that's the best of all time um, for <laughs> sure, but it, it's a real, but it's a really good movie. Yeah. And it, it, it just goes into like some interesting, um, you know, it, it just raises some interesting questions about like, you know, what happens when this like madman like comes into the business. Um, there's been a ton of really good movies, but obviously uh, I would say, you know, the, um, the, the president's men is probably like the greatest journalism, you know, story, you know, yeah. that, that I could think of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I embarrassingly uh, had like a senior moment and called it um, Woodward and Bernstein as if that was the title of it um, in an earlier episode of this podcast. Um, and then I did correct myself at the end of that episode. But yes, All the President's Men is a great film about journalism. Probably the best of all time. Maybe the best of all time. I would say that's probably the best. But yeah, I'd say that's probably the best also, of all time. Also, uh, yeah. Citizen Kane, which is about journalism and is ranked as just the overall best movie of all time by many. So that gives it gives it a run for ah, But um, That is a good one. I, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, that's, that's very high up there as well. Who is Rosebud? Um, all right, so... Uh, what, right, I already asked you what your favorite way to work out is. Um, are you going to stay in journalism? Are you going to stay in TV reporting for the rest of your life? That's the plan. That's the plan. As long, as, long as, as someone is willing to hire me and keep me employed, I don't plan on stopping this anytime soon. Well, there's some ads up right now at Breitbart.com. So if, if it doesn't work out in, at Fox 46, then 
you can you can go over there. Um, and if that doesn't work out, you can just start doing some hip hop uh, dancing during commercial breaks and see if that. Um, no one wants to, no one wants to see me dancing. Trust me, trust me. Though I I would go viral for the complete opposite reason that Nick is. Actually, it would be hilarious if you were just this like super jealous person and you were like, oh my God, Nick's getting all the attention. I can't stand it. You know what? I'm going to do my own thing. And you decided to do it, but to country music. And you just like, were like this oh really bad dancer and you would like bring a cowboy hat into work and just like start filming yourself dancing to uh, country in the newsroom. And it just like totally flops. It would just be like this really funny thing to me. That would be but, hilarious. Maybe maybe we'll have to like do that on Instagram or something yes. one day, or or him and I will have a, a dance battle, and we'll see. People yeah. can uh, can laugh at that. Yeah, if you like spoof stuff like that, the the show Nathan for you is like one of my favorite shows, and it's it's all like goofy spoof stuff. Um, oh, I'll have to check. I'll have to check it out when uh, I watch all the five hundred other shows I got to watch for. <laughs> add it to your long list. Um, who's your favorite author? I, well, I, I would say one, one of the, the best books that I've read um, that I always look back on um, is called The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. Uh, I love that book. It's like a travel law. It like mixes like traveling with a little bit of horror um, and just really, really well, well done. So I, I love that book. Um, i trying to think uh, who else is up there because I, I do really like to read a lot, but that off the top of my head, that's that's the book that um, stands out as one of one of my favorites that I've read in a long time. Um, but Hunter Thompson, I, I do like a lot of his stuff too. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was great. Um, so yeah, there, there's a number of books I, I like, but those are those are two off the top, just off the top of my head, without really thinking it. Trust me, this is a this is a question that I could think about for like hours. But since I got thirty seconds, there you go. Um, and, and what book have you, would you say that you've read the most times in your life or given out the most as a gift to other people? I haven't given a book as a gift, but I did get a book from an old news director, um, called the death of common sense. Um, so, uh, if I was to give a book out, I would probably keep that tradition going, you know, like that was handed to me. So, you know, handed on to someone else who I would mentor. Um, but I would probably, if I was to give a book out to someone, it would probably be the president's men if they were interested in journalism. I mean, that's just like a classic story right there. And it, it just shows you the power of journalism and what journalists can do. Um, so I, it's just an inspiring story as to, you know, what good shoe leather reporting can do and, um, the impact that journalism can have. So. Probably would be that book. Um, well, that's going to do it for the rapid fire questions. Um, it's been uh, excellent to have you on uh, the reporter podcast. Um, and Matt Grant, if, uh, if people want to find you online, um, social media, uh, where's the best place to do that? And what is your handle at that place? Yeah, uh, feel free to look me up. By the way, thanks again so much for having me on. I hope I didn't uh, bore your audience or put them to sleep, but um, if, if you want to learn more about me or if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can get me on Twitter or Facebook uh, or Instagram. My handle is the same on all of them, which is uh, right now, Matt Grant Fox 46. All right. Excellent. Um, definitely uh, excited to see, you know, how your career progresses and, um, 
I definitely love that. Likewise attitude. with you as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, I definitely love the attitude of the polite pit bull. I think I've um, kind of tried to embody that myself because, you know, you don't have to be an asshole. You know, you can, you can just be a very polite person who asks deep, hard questions. Um, and I think that's actually the right way to do it. Um, when people combine the two, it's, it's just, it's not the right way to do it. I mean, some people do it that way, but yeah. it's, it's not good. So um, it I, reminds I like, me of that Conan O'Brien quote, the uh, be kind, work hard and amazing things will happen. You know, it's just, you, you can be a, a good person and keep your humanity, but you can still be uh, asking the tough questions when needed. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Matt, well, that'll do it. Um, thanks again for coming on the show and uh, please, uh, you know, feel free to share uh, your episode far and wide and um, Anybody who's listening, uh, please subscribe and uh, share. You can always screenshot it and share it on your Instagram story, which is always fun to do. Um, or you can, uh, you're definitely encouraged to leave a review if you, if you like the episode, if you like the show on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews are appreciated. And also writing a little review, you can just write, love the show. That's, that's good enough. Those three words will help a lot. And um, a very cool website is podomatic, P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C.com. So we are reporter com and it's of course just the um, no vowels so it's rprtr.potomatic.com you can follow the podcast there it's a good all-in-one place to um, check it out and find all the episodes we're also on spotify podcast so just go into spotify and search rprtr and um, so yeah as you can see we're pretty much um, all over the place at this point you can find it on apple podcast spotify or um, automatic so um one last thing is that if you want to uh find any of the links or books or any of the stuff we talked about during this episode or any of the episodes so far you can find the show notes the show notes are the place to find that and the show notes are at boberman.com slash rprtr so that is b-e-a-u-b-e-r-m-a-n uh dot com forward slash r-p-r-t-r and that will take you to all of the show notes you get to see photos of people who we have interviewed noah pransky josie sturman liz adiola adam gwynn andy Parati, and most recently matt grant thanks everybody take care thanks for listening to this episode of the reporter podcast with bo berman please share subscribe and leave a review on apple podcasts